So hey guys, welcome back. We have another awesome podcast with David DeHaas. And David has written a book called The Earps Invade Southern California. It's bootlegging in Los Angeles, Santa Monica, and the old soldier's home. Uh, he co-wrote this with a de- gentleman named Don, is it Don Chaput? Yeah, Don Chaput. Chaput. Okay, and yeah. so he's written the book with Don, and you can find the book everywhere. He's He's got an amazing sales program. Like, I don't know who his marketing guy is, but it's fantastic. And he is everywhere with the book. You can find it at Amazon. And if you go on, uh, actually, if you go to Tombstone and bite at the Birdcage Theater, you can find it there. Uh, and they've it's been autographed and signed by the two authors. So, you know, what's what how can you not win at that, right? You're in Tombstone and then you're getting a book about the Earps invading Southern California. It's a it's a huge win. Um also I apologize if there's any background feed. We just got a weird phone line and uh but it'll go away with David and that'll cause me to talk less. I also <laughs> which is good, right? David's like, shut up. Um I also want to shout out Wild West History Association. You can find them at WW, actually they're WWHA, and you can find them at wildwesthistory.org. Uh, if you're like me, you want pro- history with Providence. You want researched history. You want the best in history. You don't want to go on Wikipedia. You don't want to go on Pinterest. You know, you want to find history that's been authenticated. It's been researched and you're going to find all of that at the Wild West History Association. That's wildwesthistory.org. Now I joined it. I joined a three year deal because it actually, if you do three years for 175 bucks, you save $50 total instead of doing a, a one year individual membership at 75. So again, uh, it's just a great, great resource. You get the, uh, uh, the Wild West Journal that is like a quarter inch thick of just solid research history. It's, it's good stuff. And again, uh, that's my friends. Are you a member, David? Oh, yeah. I've been a member. Um, I'm one of the original members from the day they formed. Yeah, back, I'm one of, Back yes. with NOLA? Uh, yeah, I was in NOLA before. The NOLA and WOLA combined to form. Uh, I was in both organizations, and they combined, I believe it was 2010, to form uh, Wild West History Association, and I was uh, a member from the day the group formed. So you can you admit that it is a great value for people wanting researched history. Absolutely, I, I, I can. I always tell everybody the uh, Wild West History Association Journal is to Wild West History what the New England Journal of Medicine is to medicine. They're very well. The articles in there are all footnoted and well researched. Um, uh, the other magazines are all very good too, but they don't ha- have footnotes and they're not quite as academic. Uh, they're they're great too. There's two other really good magazines. Um, uh, True West magazine is excellent. Of course, and, True West. Yeah, True West and uh, Wild West magazine. They're great. Yeah, and I've had articles published in both those magazines. We have more articles coming up soon awesome. in those magazines. But uh, Wild West History Association is a, a real, really academic. Um, all the articles are footnoted and. And it's, uh, yes, an excellent organization. So David is, David is saying do it. Just go join because I think you're going to love it. Um, now, David is somebody that I met by accident. I th- We met each other, I think, in an event in uh, Tombstone. I didn't know who David was. I think he had the book for sale. I could only buy so many books because my wife wouldn't let me buy the entire library. Um, and... 
unfortunately, I should have because I'm from Southern California. And most of the places, not all of them, but most of the places I've been to and I wanted to know more. And I went to the places, um, you know, after researching and realizing I'm in the wrong spot or I don't know what I should know. And I should have bought David's book ahead of time because it does cover the Earp's travels in Los Angeles and, and Sawtell and the old folks, old soldiers home. Um, but he's written a wonderful book and I hope you can get it. It only goes for about 25 bucks. So welcome, David. Yeah. Hi, Mike. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. So you live in Orange County, California. Um, and you're a medical doctor. And somewhere along the line, you got involved in American Southwest history. How did that come about? Yeah. Well, I kind of started back in childhood. Um, you know, uh, I heard your other uh, great interviews with uh, Mark Boardman and Peter. We're all friends, Peter Brand. And uh, kind of same story with me, too. We started watching the old Western TV shows when I was a little kid. And then, um, you know, my birthday parties were usually Western events i have photos of me at the parties in cowboy hat and boots and um and i just grew from there always always enjoyed west history always enjoyed history and then uh, a few years back uh, uh, after the movie tombstone came out I, I went to work one day and one of our nurses told me uh, we had an herb family member in our er here yesterday and i kind of just didn't believe her and it turns out uh, this was out in san bernardino at the time and it turns out uh when I looked into it more, the herb said very strong ties to San Bernardino, and that's partially what our book's about, too. So but, it, it, it got me going. But a medical doctor, and I'm not saying this in a bad way, who's busier than heck with real-life things, raising a family, you know, doing the things that you're doing in the medical profession, and you realize, like, I love history so much that I'm going to explore it more. I'm going to research it more. And you've been doing this way longer than I have, long before the internet. How did how was research then? Did, was it hard for you in the beginning? It was a little harder. You know, now you can just kind of look up, like you said, Wikipedia and find, or go on the internet and find anything. So a lot of the stuff was word of mouth. Uh, uh, you know, we slowly became friendly with a lot of people who, had the same interests, and uh, I, I mentioned them in our book. I, I gave them an acknowledgement. And, uh, yeah, we got to be friends, and we, we actually formed a group called the Herpetics. And we used to go out, and I see you've gone to a lot of great sites. Uh, we've all been to all those sites. Uh, um, I've pretty much been everywhere Wyatt's ever been, uh, except for I have not been to his grave yet. But, um, uh, yeah, so we all started getting a group together, and we, we would do outings out to the Earp mining camp in uh, in the desert there, and uh, his cabin, and um, yeah, just pretty much uh, been to Monmouth, the room he was born in, and to Pella, his childhood home in Pella, and our group all went and visited all these sites, and and and, and the old soldiers' home too. Uh, you know, was out there twenty years ago with a bunch of with several friends. And, but at that time, I had no idea I'd be writing a book about it once. But uh, yeah, visited Nicholas Earp's grave and J.V. Brighton's grave there, and pretty much been to everyone's uh, all the graves. You know, Chef, um, you know, Shefflin brothers are are buried in L.A. Um, Shefflin's younger or brothers, uh, he himself uh, died and was initially buried in tombstone, and then his body was moved later. But we've been to all the graves. Uh, 
Kosterliski and all, all the characters involved in this story. Uh, um, so it's been a nice adventure. So let's let's talk real quick then as to why the why the Earps are more remembered for what happened in their short time in Tombstone than they are in their travels in Southern California. Because you wrote a book, and then Garner, uh, I'm going to butcher his last name, Garner, Garner Polinsky? Yeah, Garner. Yeah, we're good yeah. friends. Garner, he lives in San Diego. And Garner guy. wrote a wonderful book about the Earps in San Diego County, and you covered mostly Los Angeles County. Why is it that you think the Earps aren't known for a longer historical run in Southern California and we only focus on the 22 months or so that he was in, or they were in, Tombstone. Uh, well, uh, first of all, yeah, yeah, well, some important things happened in Tombstone, so I don't want to belittle that. But they actually spend more time in California. In our book, we talk about how Cal- Southern California was really the family's home base. They never were really far from the family. And the first chapter in our book is called The Herb Band of Brothers. And this family was really... Um, a close family. Don Chopput wrote a, an article, I believe it's in Wild West Magazine that came out about a year ago about how close, uh, kind of relating to our book, how close the Earps were and they always stuck together and they were never far from home. But that's what amazed Don and me. Um, nobody's ever covered this episode in L.A. and it was probably one of their longest episodes together. You know, they were all over the place. Pella, Iowa, Monmouth, Lamar, Missouri, um, uh, you know, why it was it? And James were in Alaska, Virgil and Goldfield. They were all, but they always came home. They always came, and the home was San Bernardino, and and the LA area. And nobody's ever covered it. I, I think the reason they haven't covered it mainly is because you you can pick up any of the top books, pick up any book on wider, and you won't not find a mention of Sawtell. Occasionally, you'll see one mention that Nicholas Earp died. At the old Soshone is buried in Sotel, and even when I visited Sotel the, at the first time in the early two thousands with some Earp friends, uh, Troy Kelly and Jim Groom, um, I, I didn't realize the extent of it. I, I knew the father died there, but I just thought that he was there for a year or something and died there or a year or two. It turns out he was there for a very long. They were there for nearly ten years in the first opening of nineteen hundreds, close to nineteen ten, um, and. Um, uh, put a lot of time in there, but it turns out, you know, I, I, I had known that um, Nicholas was there, and I had known that Newton, or the half-brother, had been there for a while, but if you look at the timeline, they were all there together. It turns out that Virgil spent a good amount of time there, too. Uh, James was there, um, and and Wyatt uh, uh, was there, too, on and off. Um, so, and then Adelia Earp, the sister, you know, she lived in San Bernardino. The Earp family all lived nearby and were in L.A. quite a bit. And the other thing in our book uh, we talk about is that Earp, a lot of their friends from Tombstone were there, too. They were still hanging out, you know, with George Parsons and um, oh, um, Tom Fitch, their attorney uh, in Tombstone, was there in the area at that time. And he's has a, been in our story. And A.C. Billicky, who ran the Cosmopolitan Ho- Hotel with Gus Billicky, his father, uh, they were in the L.A. area uh, in the early 1900s. They had two hotels in the area, the... Alexandria and the um, Colin Beck. And uh, so they're in our story too. A lot of their friends, Dick Gerd and, uh, and Chino, and a lot of their friends from Tombstone were back with them again in Los Angeles in the early 1900s. So that's what I think makes the story so interesting and great. And 
it's just so amazing that it's never been covered, not even mentioned in the standard ERC text but anywhere why else. You, so that's what, that's well, why what do you think that is, though? Because there is so much history. Like, there's more history with the ERPs in Southern California and Northern yes. California with Wyatt and them traveling and living in San Francisco. Yes. Then there is... You know, then, then we share about Tombstone. I mean, we, and listen, like you said, I am not taking anything away from Tombstone. But most of their life didn't happen in Tombstone, and yet we rarely talk about it. Yes, um, right. I, I just want to say one thing. Like you said, Garner Frensley did write an excellent book in the San Diego years, and then the historian Nick Cataldo, another friend, and uh, he's from San Bernardino too, so I knew him back in the years back when I worked in San Bernardino at, at that hospital I mentioned. And he's written excellent stuff, uh, informa- uh, books regarding the uh, time in, in San Bernardino area and whatever. But the Sawtell area has just kind of gotten missed. And I think it's just because most people just think that Nicholas Earp just happened to be there for a year or two and died there and that's it. But it, it, it turns out, it's a little bit of a long story, i tell you how we got to write the book, how we kind of found out there was a lot more to it than just Nick Earp dying there for a year. It turns out that at the time, uh, uh, James or uh, uh, Newton was there at the same time. Uh, James Earp had moved to Sawtell so that he could be uh, near his uh, family, and then he ran his uh, uh, blind pigs, his illicit alcohol cells from there. And uh, like I said, it turns out the thing that really pushed us over the edge is we found out. You know, uh, you know Don Don Chappell is known as Virgil Earp's biographer. He wrote the book the standard book on Virgil Earp that everybody quotes and uses whenever Earp is mentioned. And he's an amazing researcher. He's just really diligent. And um, uh, so being Virgil Earp's biographer, he gets a lot of inside information from family members about Virgil. And um, uh, just uh, uh, a person who was a token collector happened to contact Don uh, soon after his book came out. The book came out, I believe, in 1995, uh, uh, Virgil or Western Peace Officer, and uh, after that, everybody who was interested in Virgil started contacting Don. Uh, that's what happens when you write a book like that. You get other people that want to learn more. And this uh, token collector had a token in his collection, which he felt was very, very valuable. And it said on the back, it said, it said VW Herb, uh, Virgil Walter Herb, uh, and then uh, uh, Sawtell, California. And then I think it said good for, good for five cents on the back or good for one ride. And so that he wrote to Don, he said, do you know anything about this? And, and Don wrote back and said, look, I, I know all about the Sawtell thing, and I know, but I never knew that Virgil, even me as his biographer, spent a lot of time there. And, um, and then, um, so he asked me about it, and uh, I looked into it some more and found some more information on the internet and all. And then we found another token, a totally different token, saying VW, or one says good for one ride, I think, on the back, and the other one says they both say VW or Sawtell, California. And on the other side, the other one says good for five cents or something. And uh, all of a sudden we said, hey, you know, it, it, Virgil Herb actually did spend a, a fair amount of time in Sawtell with his brothers. And then we started finding more and more information and enough to write the book. So uh, it's just, I, I think most people just know. They, they just don't realize that the Herbs were essentially there for nearly 10 years and. um you know, the first 10 years of the 20th century there, and uh, and there, how much information... Oh, and, and, and then we started finding all kinds of information on all their friends that were there. Like I said, Parsons and, um, you know, all, all the other uh, affiliated friends that I mentioned before were there. So there was really enough for a book there, a story. 
Well, let's talk real quick for people who don't know, and they're hearing Sawtell. And even like myself, who's born and raised in Cal- Southern California, Sawtell is by Santa Monica at the end of the Interstate 10 freeway, correct? Yeah, it's about four miles. Uh, it, Wilshire Boulevard is a good landmark. It's about four miles um, east of Santa Monica. And that's part of our story, how Santa Monica was formed in 1875 and you know who the speaker was at the event the launching event mm-hmm. it was thomas fitch that this is 1875 you know six years before the okay corral and thomas fitch is the featured speaker at the um the celebration launching santa monica and uh yeah and, and so who santa is, monica was, who was he in tombstone he was the herbs attorney at the uh oh. he's the one that got them uh got them exonerated, got them off from it. He, he was called the silver-tongued orator. He was supposed to be the best attorney around. He was, he's a real, he, he's a really big name in and of himself. He was a good friend of Leland Stanford's and he was, we talk about all this in the book. He was the attorney for Brigham Young in several events. He knew well Spicer. He, he, uh, he was just a huge guy in the field. He, he did so many amazing things and, um, um, you know, he needs a real good book written about him. Well, get uh, on but, it. But um, he was, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he was known as the silver-tongued orator. He's the one that put it on the defense for the Earps after the gunfight. And everyone said it was a brilliant defense. He's the one that got them off. And so uh, he was uh, in Santa Monica in that area uh, uh, for the christening in 1875. And then in 1888, the soldiers' home started to form. And, the, and then Los Angeles, who so were the two big cities, Santa Monica now and Los Angeles, and pretty much nothing in between. Wilshire Boulevard didn't go all the way through to the ocean at the time. It it, it went to, uh, you know, from Los Angeles to about Sotel. And then they combined two streets, um, I believe it was Nevada Avenue and Wilshire, to make one big road to the ocean uh, all the way. And um, then there were electric cars that form and trains to transport people. But... That initially, those were just barley fields there between Los Angeles and you know fruit fields and Santa Monica, and then the soldiers' home formed, and everything changed. So as the soldiers' for, uh, home was formed, things were changing. Alcohol, I believe, prohibition was ha- in that process. Correct? Yeah, not only prohibition, but they uh, a, a specific law, I believe, it was eighteen ninety five was. Uh, put in the books uh, from a senator, Bulla, Robert Bulla, he's mentioned in our book, that you could not sell alcohol within oh. a mile and a half of a soldier's home because they way knew what pro- was going to happen. Way before and, Prohibition. Yeah, 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 even before. And then Prohibition, you're right, was you know coming in too. But the big law for them is you weren't allowed to sell alcohol near a soldier's home. Uh, and I think there were a few other places, a prison, and uh, but they didn't want the soldiers, you know, going out and getting drunk and uh, getting into trouble. But, so that's what set but the But the Earps did something, and they created a business. And how did they – what What was it? Because I'm interested about the pig. Yeah. Well, the blind pig, you know, so there's several synonymous terms. The blind pig, blind tiger, um, speakeasy, um, uh, you know, bootlegging. Uh, we're all kind of similar terms for uh, illicit alcohol sales. So um, um, we talk about it in the book. I don't know if you ever saw the movie Guys and Dolls. It was uh, uh, 
one of my kind of favorite as a young kid. It was award-winning Broadway play, and it became a movie starring Mar- Marlon Brando and Frank Sinatra. And it was the same scenario. Is this is really interesting? But it was going on in New York instead of Los Angeles. And it was a big movie in the play. The music, if you haven't heard, it, it was a beautiful musical. But the lead character in the movie was was Sky Masterson. That was played by Marlon Brando. Well, Sky Masterson was patterned after Pat Masterson, who was, you know, a very another very famous sheriff of the Old West and a friend of Wyatt Earp's. So on the East Coast, you had guys and dolls going on essentially with Bat Masterson. Bat Masterson on the West Coast, you have the same thing going on, and that's what our book's about. Uh, but with Wyatt Earp and his brothers, so it was kind of the same scenario was going on across the country, not only those areas, but uh, we call our book a. Um, a Guys and Dolls West Coast style, because it's kind of the movie Guys and Dolls, which was about illicit alcohol sales and gambling in in the New York area in the early 1900s, but with Bat Masterson. So as we're talking, just so you know, we are talking about a book. Um, David Hitt has written a book, and along with a gentleman named, I'm going to mess it up, again, Don Chaput, Chaput? John, Don Chaput, yeah. Chaput. And it's called The Earps Invade Southern California, Bootlegging Los Angeles, Santa Monica, and the Old Soldier's Home. You can find it on Amazon, and I'll put some links to where you can get it. But if you're listening in your car, you can find it on Amazon or any bookseller. It sells for around 25 bucks. And if you're a Kindle person, you can get it around 14 to $15 on a Kindle. But for me, I always like the feel of a book. I like being able to touch it carry it around with me. I love the feel of paper and the smell of a book. So if you're a book fan, you can get it anywhere on Amazon or go to Tombstone, Arizona, and you can get it signed by the authors. So this is what we're talking about today. And so let's talk a little more about the pig. Yeah, well, the blind pig is just another name for, uh, uh, you know, blind tiger or uh, a place where alcohol is sold illegally. But but the the Earps grabbed that one, right? They grabbed the blind pig out of all of them and made it a business. Yeah, yeah. Blind pig is just a general term for all these types of institutions. And it's kind of, we, we kind of have a lot of humor in the story, too. And that's the thing about that movie, Guys and Dolls, too. Although it was a serious topic, there was a lot of funny things going on. Uh, some of the things that the soldiers would do to uh, avoid capture for their alcohol sales are kind of pretty humorous. And we went through uh, a lot of it in the book. But, uh, you know, they would have a barber shop that people would come to get their hair cut but the, and the coffee pot was full of alcohol it wasn't so people weren't going to get their haircut they were going there and that was just a facade they were actually going there to uh, get alcohol and there's a lot of stories like that in the book a guy uh, he would ride his bike around town and then take orders from all the people on the street and then he would ride his bike in santa monica get the alcohol and ride back and uh, d- deliver it to all the soldiers so it's actually got a little bit of humor in the story too and and that, and that movie, Guys and Dolls, too, when you see, even though it's a serious topic, it's gangsters and it's uh, illegal goings-on in New York, uh, there were all kinds of funny things going on in the background, to things that these guys would do to gamble there and to, to get alcohol. And did were they in business, the Earps as brothers? Because you mentioned it about how close they are. And the movie does portray, and if you watch you know, the movie Wyatt Earp, they really talk about the closeness of the Earps. Was the father the spearhead of the group, or who was the spearhead of the the alcohol? Yeah, it was, Jane, 
it was James or who was the spearhead. And it's very well doc- documented that he, you know, was arrested several times. Hey, you know, these guys, they got arrested, they got fined, and to them, the fine was just a cost of doing business. They pay, they pay the fine, they'd be right back in business again. So it was mainly uh, James Earp that was doing this. And then it appears that uh, uh, it looks like, uh, you know, Virgil came into town, too, and he was checking it out to see. And um, it, it appears that he may have been driving a trolley for a bit, making money doing that. A, a lot of the... Um, they had trolleys to the ocean from the soldiers' home. And the, I don't know if you saw pictures of the so- soldiers' home or a book dust jacket. I just want to mention the book dust jacket. You talked about holding a book and feeling it. And, re- and this one especially, if you like, I'm that way too. I can't read Kindle. And our book is especially just a beautiful book. The, the artwork was commissioned by Gary Zaboli. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of him or not, but very well-known uh, Western painter. He's my favorite Western artist. And it, it, if you look, there's a lot of me to the dust jacket everything going on in that dust jacket there's a meaning to the, the, you, know, you see the blind pig on the dust jacket the in the background is the santa monica bay and the ocean and the arcadia hotel and everything on that dust jacket there's a, a reason for it and um um you know uh, it, it, it was a beautiful area and uh um it, it was it's mainly james running this thing and but a lot of tourists were coming to town to see the old soldiers' home. It became a tourist destination. And it looks like Virgil probably was uh, driving a bus around or a cart uh, to bring tourists in and out of the area. That that's his was his main function there. That is crazy because I am looking at the jacket. And the four herbs are across the front, correct? Yes. So you see going across the front, for, uh, Wyatt... Virgil, as they probably would have looked at that age, James and Newton. And they're wearing their OK Corral outfits, but instead of carrying guns, if you look carefully, they're carrying uh, beer bottles and bottles. And on the top of the hill, the up at the soldier's home, that's uh, Newton Earp with his friends cheering them on. And he's got a bottle in his stand uh, hmm. of whiskey. And um, and that's the old soldier's home um residents one of the residents on campus and the, the other thing you may be interested in because i know you tour a lot of these sites if you turn oh i don't think you can probably see the back of the book where you are on the back of the book is the chapel and the chapel is one of the few buildings that's still there today there's it's a lot of it has been raised you know been cut down so sadly but the chapel is still there it's pretty dilapidated now and we talk about it in the book and i have photos of what it looked like then and today but that's where all the soldiers had their ceremonies after they died and uh, new, uh, Nicholas Earp, after he died, had his ceremony in this same building that's there right now to this day. Um, and then uh, he's buried in the cemetery next to the old soldier's home. It's, it's currently called the Los Angeles National Cemetery. And there's a lot of famous Old West characters buried there, and we talk about that. Jeremiah Johnson was buried there, and um, J.V. Brighton, who killed Ike Clanton, a, a lot of well-known Civil War uh, personalities. And then on the back of the jacket, again, you're not looking, you're probably just seeing the front, is the Santa Monica Bay, the Arcadia Hotel. Arcadia uh, DeBay Bandini was a Californio, and she's a very famous, you know, uh, personality in Southern California. She essentially, and her family donated the land that the soldier's home is on. And she's called, uh, she's known as the godmother, godmother of Santa Monica. She donated a lot of land that Santa Monica currently resides on and there's a statue of her up at the palisades park above and we talk about this in the book uh above the 
Pacific Ocean. Uh, my wife and I were out there visiting once again uh, a few weeks ago, and we went by the statue again. And and then there's the pier in the background that, again, you probably can't see. And there no, was a roller and a roller coaster. This this dust jacket is all historically correct and done by an amazing author, Gary Zaboli. I, I just love his work. If if you get a chance, you might want to check it out later. But he just uh, just does amazing work. So, so as the Earps are doing the bit, and I do, I'm looking at the jacket, I'm looking at the front, and I'll look at the back. Um, and I've seen some of the back. And you talked about Sautel and the, and the soldiers' home. Is there anything that was left out of the book that maybe was like, hmm, we shouldn't include that? Or was uh, everything researched, like, word for word, like, this? it all needs to be there? Yeah, um, yeah, no, no, I think it's pretty much it. We had a great publisher. You said, you said the book's all over for some reason. The reason it's all over, it's a university press, and we have a publisher. And so they've put it out all over, like like I said, not only on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target, Walmart, uh, indie books. You can find it at a local book dealer. It, it's everywhere for that reason. And our publishers were great; they really were supportive. Um, and um, Ron Chrisman, especially at the uh, University of North Texas, and the other uh, great people that work there, and they they didn't really tie our hands too much. There were a few issues we had to work out about title of the book and stuff like that, but pretty much everything is in there. The, the thing is, even after the book came out, we started finding more and more great information. And in fact, one, another thing that's in the book that we discovered, right? The, it was literally the day I sent the manuscript, the final manuscript to our publisher. This was supposed to be the final, final, final. And then um, all of a sudden we found that White Earp was in a small town outside of San Diego called Dulzura. And we found, I, I've never seen anywhere where it's published that White Earp was in this little town. And they have him interviewed in several newspapers. And I begged, I was pretty much on my hands and knees begging our publisher, please, we want to add this in. It's in no book anywhere else. And and uh, to the last minute they told me, oh, well, they're going to try, but they can't promise. They already have the manuscript. They're already... And they were so great, you know, it ended up in the, they didn't even tell me. And then when I got the book, finally, I didn't know until I actually got my copy. They actually did uh, work it in there. Unfortunately, we didn't get it into the index and stuff. We couldn't change all that. But we at least got a couple lines in there about Wyatt uh, being in Dulzura. So if anything, you know, we kept finding stuff. We found some other great stuff since the book came out. And we're actually already working on a potential second edition. And it should be, some of that will be in that if that ever comes out. I don't know. But it turns out one of the cowboy members, uh, Nick Hughes, he's uh, he was at the soldiers' home too in a little later years and uh, is buried there. And then yeah, I don't know if you've heard of Doc Bags before, but he was a famous con man. Soapy Smith, he was in with Soapy Smith mm -hmm. gang, and Virgil knew him back in Iowa too. And we found out at, just after the book came out, we discovered that uh, um, his um, Doc Bags' father is is there in the soul was. Uh, died there and was buried there and so um yeah the sad thing is that this happens with everybody i talk to every author the minute the book goes out you start finding more stuff but yeah but our publisher was great and they didn't tie our hands so what we had they pretty much let us put in the book when you were looking at the los angeles years and the san bernardino county time in colton and san bernardino um is that part covered in the book yeah, yeah. Not, now, if you if you're if that's your big interest, I would refer you to Nick Cataldo's book, uh, 
uh, again, he's another good friend, and he's quoted all over the book. He wrote uh, a couple books on herbs in San Bernardino. He lives in San Bernardino and writes for the local newspaper, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, he's got in-depth coverage of the San Bernardino years. Uh, I believe it's called the Herb Clan, the San Bernardino years or something. Um, but our book covers it too, yes, but not as in-depth as Nick's book. Um, but yeah, yeah, because they did. They were in Colton, and you know Morgan Herbs buried in Colton, and. Um, uh, James Earp uh, and uh, Adelia Earp, Allie Earp um, are all buried in uh, San Bernardino. And then uh, White Earp's mother is buried in a, the Pioneer Cemetery just south of where James and Adelia are buried. Um, yeah, that, I've been to all these great graves, of course. But yeah. I think you have too, I think. But um, yeah, there's, so there was a lot happening in San Bernardino. Uh, uh, Nicholas was president of the San Bernardino Pioneer Society. And even to the day he was in the died in in the, in the soldiers' home, he was writing back and forth to his friends uh, in San Bernardino uh, and writing a, a little column for the San Bernardino Pioneer Society newsletter. So yeah, we do cover the San Bernardino years. Was there something though? Because Wyatt moved around a lot in Los Angeles. He was in Pasadena, I believe. Um. Or am I wrong? Um, I don't know specifically, Pat. Well, you know what? He was very good friends, and we talk about in the book with Lucky Baldwin. And he, uh, you know, he, right. they did a Lou Rickabaugh who owned the uh, concession at the Oriental Hotel uh, or uh, Oriental uh, Saloon in Tombstone during the years Wyatt was there. He and Wyatt remain, and this is all in the book, remain good friends after they left Tombstone. They would do horse racing up and down the coast, San Francisco to uh, Los Angeles. And um, they had contacts with Lucky Baldwin. And uh, I believe Baldwin did have a home in that area, San Bernardino. We have, um, th- this actually didn't make the book because of stuff afterwards, but they were there training horses, Rickabaugh and Earp. At, for Baldwin, Lucky Baldwin, and um, you know Santa Anita, the raceway, the right. yeah, there, you know, there are ties there to to Baldwin and the Earps, and uh, um, so I, I don't know specifically Pasadena. I, I will say this: Pasadena is mentioned multiple times in the book because there was a relationship between Pasadena and the home. Um, Pasadena was another tourist stop at the time, and uh, uh, but. Um, I, I don't know if we talk a whole lot about time in Pasadena for Wyatt. Yeah, because they had, they had an apartment, and I traced down an apartment that's now an empty lot. Um, and it was, I think the apartment burned down, as a lot of buildings in that time did. Um, and then they were, and then Wyatt ended up in the West Adams District, where the bungalow, yeah. everybody talks about the bungalow. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I've been there, yes. And... And somehow Virgil ends up not staying in L.A. and goes to Goldfield. Yes. And and the Earps split apart, but the but Nicholas stays. What did Nicholas do, or was he was he involved in it at that time, or was he what was he doing? Well, Nicholas was getting pretty old at that time. He was in the soldiers' home. He was a patient there. He was pretty sickly so he was in his final years so he wasn't doing much traveling now we do talk about an episode in the book i thought was pretty cool is that i told you about ac billicky and gus billicky who owned the cosmopolitan where all the earth faction after the gunfight they all that's where they were all hanging out for their safety Mm -hmm. and then billicky 
hippies, they were hoteliers, and they opened hotels all around, but mainly in Los Angeles. And there's an episode there described in the book where uh, where Billicky went to the soldier's home and picked up Nicholas Earp from the soldier's home, and the whole family brought him back to the Hollenbeck Hotel, and they all gathered for a real nice afternoon together, where Virgil was there, Adelia Earp was there, um, Wyatt and, and Josie, and so... so um, they they all did get to that, but but Nicholas was kind of in his final years there, um, and he, as far as I know, he never went out to Goldfield. Well, now Wyatt was out there, but uh, but uh, Wyatt was out there in Tonopah, and uh, um, but uh, uh, yeah, I don't think Nicholas was involved in anything like that. He he stuck close to home. He, you know, he lived with Adili for a period, and and then uh, you know he was, lived in the soldiers' home until he died, and he died there. And we have a picture of the hospital that he died in, too. The hospital, Soldier's Home Hospital that he died in, and then the chapel where he had his ceremonies be- memorial before his burial, and then his grave. Uh, photos of his grave are all in the book. Was there something, I know that we talked about the research part, and I'm going to go back to that. The research part in the book, uh, just about everything made it into the book. Like you said, at the very end, you begged and pleaded, and there it was. Yeah. Was there anything that didn't make it into the book that was like, we we can't tell this story, like this this doesn't make it. It's too dark or it's too not historically enough accurate to be able to put in. Was there anything left out? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. You know, it's kind of a little bit of a dark story in a way because it's involving. We talk about the you know the illegal. Um, uh, alcohol and gambling and uh, there was some sad things that happened. These soldiers did go out and some of them lost all their money to these guys who were selling alcohol and there's a story about a guy who got himself so drunk and then he passed out on the train track and the train came by and uh, amputated his arm and he ended up dying. There's a lot of sad stories, uh, suicides and overdoses so there are some dark stories in there but uh, yeah, we didn't hold back on anything. Like I said, our, our publisher uh, couldn't have been more supportive uh, with us. They didn't uh, really uh, really push back on anything that we had in the book. There, like I said, there were some debates about the title. The title of the book changed a few times and uh, things like that. So we had some active debates and back and forth. And um, but, uh, no, th- there's nothing really that we held back, other than the fact that we found uh, quite a bit more since the book came out. Like and what? I have it all recorded, and if there's a second edition, it'll be in the second edition. But I don't know if that'll ever happen or not. It sounds like it will, but Is there something you can share from that? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I can share some of it. I've been giving some of the people that bought. Uh, I'm trying to sell books myself because it's available pretty much everywhere, and I'm so busy with work. And I don't have time to be doing mailings, so I'm not doing mailings of books. But uh, some of we we have a limited edition of the book. There's a numbered edition coming out. Uh, it'll be one through two fifty, and it'll be at a bit more expense. It, it, that'll probably be later next or next year sometime. And in that, we've put several supplements. So that we have a new updated a. Uh, there's appendix one and two in the book, but now we have an appendix three and four, and uh, we've added a few things. So anyone who buys one of those limited edition books will get all that probably. But like I said, that won't be available until probably next year sometime. Is there? But is there something you can share that you found extra 
that would be a great little story to tell us on this podcast. Because now that you've wet my whistle to a, an extended version, I want more. I'm 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 stingy. Is there something yeah. you can share? Well, uh, like I said uh, the couple things I did mention to you that uh, mm. one of the cowboys was in there around the time the herbs were in there, which is kind of interesting. And then Nick Hughes, and then uh, Doc Bag, and uh, those were the two big things. We did get the Delzura thing in there. Um, there's a, a appendix like Appendix Three that um, um, has a timeline in it that's pretty pretty cool. Um, um, I can uh, send that to you after if you're interested, a photo of it. Sure. And, um, yeah, as far as earth-shaking stuff off the top of my hand, I can't think of anything. But there were a lot of little, you know, there's a lot of things that when you're writing a book, you kind of debate whether it should go in or not. Um, and then afterwards, once it comes out in print, you say, oh, well, maybe we shouldn't have put that in or um, – uh, one of the things is a question. You know, there's always a question about Death Valley Scotty, whether he was – with Wyatt Earp during that Bunko incident in uh, the early 1900s. And, um, you know, some people say that it was Walter Scott who was there. Some people say it wasn't him. Other people say it was. Um, we did put it in as being him. His own biographer put it in as being him. Uh, but second thought, we thought maybe we shouldn't have been so strong on that because it's still a questionable thing. There's other authors that say he wasn't, and they supply evidence. But if you look at their evidence, it, does, doesn't, it doesn't say support that he wasn't it wasn't death valley scotty there it uh it says he wasn't at an event he was supposed to be but that to me makes it more likely that he was at this place uh, uh getting arrested but anyway uh, there's always some things like that that uh, um i think somewhere in the book we said something about dick Gerd that he didn't have a lot of contact with wyatt afterwards and then since the book came out we found all these things where he did have more contact so there's always little things that get in there that you have regrets out the pretty the minute uh, you you hit the button and send the book out let me tell you one more thing this relates to mark boardman who you interviewed um uh, you, you know he's uh, right. editor of the epitaph, epitaph. In tombstone and um pretty much the day uh, it, this again was this was a little earlier maybe a week before we we're putting the book out but we were done and we were putting the finishing touches and i was ready to send it to the publisher and then Roy Young, uh, I'm sure you know Roy, too. He's very active in the Wild West History Association. He's the uh, editor of their journal, and he's a great friend. And then he came out with a really great article on the Billicke family. Now, pretty much every everything in there we knew already. Uh, there was nothing to us because we had researched it so much, and Billicke pays a good part in our book because he was in L.A. and spent a lot of time with the Earths after they left Tombstone. But still, he wrote a beautiful article, and it kind of highlighted some of the stuff that we already said. So we, um, I, I the, the, the book wasn't, the, the paper wasn't out yet. Somehow Mark sent me a pre-copy or something or sent me, I can't remember how I found this, or maybe Roy, uh, Roy and I keep in close contact, sent me a copy of his article before it actually made it to the paper. So um, I wanted to include that as a footnote and put a few things from Roy's article. And so again, I begged once again, I begged Roy, do you the book's coming out, and this is going to be a last-minute edition. And uh, Roy gave us the okay, and then I talked to Mark. And, book, uh, you know, I didn't want to get ahead of him because the, the newspaper wasn't even out yet. I didn't want to be in my book before his paper. You know, of course, the book took months to come out. But uh, Mark gave, uh, after several phone calls, gave us the okay to use Roy's article. So we snuck that in last minute, too. Now, that was a little earlier than the Dolzara team. I still had like a week to go, but I was putting the funniest touches on it 
trying to make sure everything was good before we sent it out. And I was real close to hitting the button before we found that out, too. Is Josephine, I know, was heavily involved in, in the life. And was Josephine a, a big part of the sales of the brother? Was she involved in it at all? And I'm asking because I don't know. Or was she out of it? Did Was she doing her thing? Um, because I know she had a gambling problem. I know that she spent a lot of money on gambling. Was she involved in it at all? And this is Josephine Marcus. Uh, yeah. Were they in, were the were the wives involved, or did the wives basically say, "You need to stay out. This is our business." Yeah. No, I think it was like it was before. The brothers kind of did what they did, and the wives. Uh, I don't see any evidence that Josie was involved in this illicit alcohol sales. Um, but I do know why it was in Tonopah quite a bit at this time, you know, when Vir- about the time Virgil was in Goldfield. And uh, there is uh, uh, some documentation that Josie seemed to be kind of bored there, and she went back home to San Francisco or to be with her parents, San Francisco, Oakland. Um, so I don't think she was there the whole time with Wyatt and Tonopah. But I, I don't see any evidence the wives were closely involved now adelia the sister you know she kept in touch with um with the you know with uh, her brothers and one of the other things about our book i don't know if you know or not but i'm a collector of the old west so i, I have a lot of really cool stuff in my collection uh, i have stuff that belonged to doc holiday and he had at the time of his death and uh, uh just to put a little plug in real quick i run a site on facebook it's called wild west collectors and that's where a lot of collectors like me share the collection, you know, stuff that people would never, ever see there. And I've shared a couple of my Doc Holiday items there. But uh, my point being here is I have a photo of Adelia Earp that's never really been seen before uh, by most people. It's been in private collections. And I shared it in the book there. I think it's on page 74 of the book. And it's a great photo of Adelia as a young woman that you'll never see anywhere else before. So a lot of stuff in the book, there's a lot of items shared that come from my personal collection. And uh, stuff you'll never see anywhere else before, unless, you know, you're welcome to come over anytime and look at my oh, collection. But I'm on only, my way. Only close. All right. Yeah, you, I, you have about a month available because I've got so much stuff that it'll take you a month to get through. Uh, personal letters of White Earp and Josie and uh, personal items that Josie and White Earp had at one time. And like I said, I have the uh, I was good friends with Karen Holiday Tanner, who wrote the Doc Holiday book, uh, you know, Family Portrait. And she was, at the time of her death uh, a couple of years ago, she was uh, the uh, um, closest surviving relative of Doc Holliday. And so I spent a lot of time with her um, before she died. We didn't know she was dying at the time. It was kind of a sudden, unexpected death. And she was trying to downsize moving from a eight-acre ranch to a condo because her husband had died a few years ago. And she wanted to get rid of her collection. So I bought a lot of her collection. And she was the one that had a lot of Doc's personal items, uh, had a knife, a boot knife that belonged to him and other things. Some of the things sadly got away. Uh, I'm still kind of in the process of trying to track some of it down. It's, it might be lost to history forever. But anyway, uh, there's a lot of my personal collection in the book that you won't see anywhere else. You will when you come by to visit. But oh, I, people. It's like uh, John Bosnecker. He's like, well, as soon as we get figured out about COVID and stuff and we're good to go, he says, I need to have you come up to the house because he lives, I think he's he's close to a coma where uh, Wyatt's buried. I think he's in Daly City. I'll go with you. Pick and me he, up on the way from Arizona. I'll go with you. Cause done. John, John, John's another amazing collector. And he's on our site with our Facebook page. Our Facebook page has all the big names in the field. What is your Facebook page? 
It's called uh, Wild West Collectors. Yeah, it's a private site, so we're not a huge use site. It's a selected membership. But it's every big name, every author, big name in the field is on the site, all the big collectors. John's there. He's one of our uh, experts with guns and badges and Wells Fargo. He's the one that knows the stuff. We have experts in every field there. So when somebody puts something up that's iffy, we have a lot of people that photos and we have all the photo collectors are there. Um, like I said, all the big name collectors, you name somebody, I'll tell you, they're there. And um, it's a neat site where we're all, a lot of us are sharing our collection because a, a lot there's a lot of great stuff out there that you and I never get to see. It's in a private collection. There's big you know, collectors like McCubbin used to be, and um, um, I'm blanking on the gentleman from San Francisco um, that had amazing photos. And then what's his name who just died? Uh, uh, in El Paso, and uh, what was the name? Nolan. What? Nolan. No, 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 Nolan. He's he's from England. Yeah, right. he's English. But uh, he was a publisher of um, several books, the Herbs Talk, and he was a book publisher. And uh, but he was a huge collector. He had the gun that killed. He has the gun in his collection that killed Billy the Kid from Pat Garrett, and oh, wow. a lot of stuff. And anyway, those are things that you're never, ever going to see because they're hidden away in these clutch. Well, that's what's happening on the site. It's so cool. Everyone's sharing their stuff here because you can do it on Facebook and without having to go to someone's home. But anyway, when you go to Bosnia, here's make sure to pick me up on the way. I'll pay yeah, for gas. It's <laughs> done deal because we'll okay. make a road trip of it and it'll be fine. It, yeah, he, yeah. But yeah. he says, you've got to come to my house to see all the stuff. And I'm always blown away. And, and John, John is – I credit John for um, – uh, helping me in the very beginning about four years ago when I got into the history part and trying to get all these places on video so that everybody can see what they what it looks like today, not look at a picture from the 1800s and then you don't know if it's been lied about. You know, you don't know if people pull a picture from Pinterest and they go, oh, it's Doc Holiday when it's not. No, no, he's a great guy, a good friend. He was one of our readers for our book. He, I sent him the manuscript early on to look at, and um, he's credited in the book. He's got a credit. And, you know, he has Virgil Earp's badge, which is cool. I'd love to see that. I've seen photos of it, but he has Virgil Earp's uh, uh, police badge, and uh, he's got a lot of great stuff, Wells Fargo stuff. So I definitely want to go with you when you make that trip. Okay. Yeah. So, so we're, at we, 50, we're at 50 minutes. We've only got about five minutes left. Okay. Goes by fast. Yeah, it does. I lost my train of thought. Um, I was completely on something amazing and wonderful. Um, as 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 liquor sales and probe not prohibition, but it continued. What ultimately ruined or caused the business to stop? What caused oh, yeah, the herbs to say, that's a really good I've got to move on, we're at the end of our cycle, um, forces are pulling us apart. What caused it, and what happened? Well, a, a lot of things uh, caused it. It had to do with the, the laws. You know, the, the, the problem was, is that I have to talk faster, but only have five minutes, um, is the soldiers' home, they, the, the officials in the soldiers' home, the governor and people, they kind of knew about all this. You, were the, uh, you couldn't sell alcohol in the soldiers' home. They did have a time where they had near beer there, but they, the, a lot of the soldiers' home people, even though it was illegal and they didn't want it, they felt sorry for the old soldiers because they were stuck there with nothing to do. They were playing checkers and had near beer and coffee. So they they didn't come down strongly on it at the beginning. And wh- it was a multitude of factors that finally ended it. Um, uh, it had to do with uh, changing ju- jurisdictions. Initially, um, 
uh, uh, the soldier's home was part of Santa Monica, Sotel was. So it was under the jurisdiction of Santa Monica. And they had different feelings about liquor than Los Angeles and Pasadena had. And, um, you know, because you could sell liquor in, in Santa Monica and all that. So soldiers would go all the way to Santa Monica and bring it back. That's where they got it a lot of times. But what eventually happened is that by about 1917, um, um, Sotel came under the jurisdiction of Los Angeles. And then things, you know, things just got stricter and stricter. They started cracking down on these soldiers. And we show it in the book uh, where James started getting arrested. They started arresting them more and locking them away longer and imposing stronger fines and penalties on them. And to the, fi- to the point that they finally broke their back. And then, of course, Prohibition, you know, hit. And uh, there was the, uh, um, oh, I can't remember, was it the 18th Amendment or 19th Amendment back in, back in uh 1918 and then they passed another amendment to enforce the first amendment and uh you know finally prohibition now you know the prohibition didn't really stick real long because there was an argument to be made on the other side but um eventually they broke the back of these guys eventually alcohol became legal and uh, so they didn't have to uh, you know, as soon as you make something, that's the argument some people make about making drugs legal. That if you make it legal, then we're not going to have all this crime and all these gangsters and whatever because there's no money to be made. They can get it. They can get it legally. So uh, they finally broke the back of these guys. They, and then, of course, James Herb got you know older. He got too old to do it. These guys were old veterans, most of them. So they were kind of at the end of their careers in the early 1900s, anyway. And, you know, Nicholas Earp died in 1907, I believe it was. And that kind of started to break the back of the Earp's participation uh, in this uh, in this uh, illicit alcohol sales that was going on. Crazy, crazy stuff. So I'm going to let you know we're almost at 54 minutes, and that's going to give us enough time to do some plug-in. So, uh, again, I want to thank David DeHaas. And he has written a book called The Herbs Invade Southern California. Uh, you can find it everywhere, Amazon, booksellers near you. Again, 25 bucks, around 25 bucks, great value. Um, you can also find it in Tombstone at the Birdcage. And that you'll get a autographed copy, which is fantastic. And that's, again, the Tombstone Birdcage. I also want to thank as usual, and, and really promote the WWHA, the world, uh, I always say world, the Wild West History Association. You can find them at wildwesthistory.org, $75 a year for an individual membership, or $175 for a three-year membership, which is what I have, and you save $50, but you get the uh, you get the journal, and the journal is insane. Like, it's just, when I tell you guys it's crazy, it's crazy great because it is solid, researched, history, no BS, no hands in it that can change and rewrite it multiple times however they want. It is solid research history, and that's something I look for because I do a lot of posting about places, and I need it to be truthful. And I think that's important to anybody who wants to learn about the about the American Wild West and the Southwest history is they want it to be truthful, and they want it to be correct and they wanted to have providence and you can find all of that in the journal and by joining uh the wild west wild west history association uh anything that you want to add uh at the end like is there something that you live by like for me i tell people it's um 
for me, it's it's do the right thing and risk the consequences. Um, is there something that you live by? Um, oh yeah, well, so yeah, well, just yeah, that that's a good one, and you know, just be honest. And uh, just my last uh, words that you know, get the book. There's some great stuff. If you're into trivia, we even have the Beach Boys in the in the book. There's a tie-in between the Earps and the Beach Boys, and Dana Point, kind of where I live, and Jackie Robinson's even in the book, believe it or not. So there's a lot of great trivia, as I mentioned, the tie-ins to Pat Masterson and the guys and dolls. And then if you're interested, join our Wild West Collector site on Facebook. Uh, love to have you there. I'll be there. And, okay, yeah, great to see you. Yeah, you're one of the few we don't have. We're going to have to beg you if you don't join soon, Mike. Yeah, we'll get there. So I appreciate it a bunch. It's, and we'll have more on the history series. Um, we have another writer that's coming up. We're going to have another podcast with Peter Brandt. Um, Mark Boardman has agreed to a part two, and we'll have Mark Boardman back. If you didn't hear them, you can find them all on my, um, you can find them all on my, uh, Blue Collar Network, HVAC Reefer Guy. And if you need to get a hold of me for any reason, you have any questions about the podcast, you can get a hold of me on my email, which is HVAC Reefer. R-E-F-E-R, H-V-A-C, guy at gmail.com. So as always, work safe, be safe, be great humans, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Mike. Take care.